Good evening. Thank you for coming. Continuing in our discussion of the Hilchot Berkhan Mazon. Uh, we've been talking about uh, starting your meal one place and then moving to another. Here we uh, shift a little bit. So let's say I ate, and now I don't remember, did I bench or did I not bench? I, Shabbos meal, sometimes you fall asleep at the table, you're not sure, did I, didn't I, right? So now, what is it that I'm supposed to do? You have to bench in this situation of doubt, because this is a biblical doubt. Right? We learned just in last week's parasha, we read it yesterday. Right? We have a biblical obligation to save your Kadamazon, and we know that we have a concept in halacha of Safik Deoraita Lechumra. And we have a situation of doubt regarding a biblical requirement, so we say err on the side of caution. So here I don't remember, did I or did I not bench? So we say, we'll go ahead and bench me Safik. Seems pretty straightforward. There's so much good stuff here. So we'll go slowly. We'll go slowly. So the Mishbura says, uh, let's see. So the Mishnah says, oh, you're probably going to ask me a question. So we say, yeah, this is a biblical requirement to say Birkat HaMazon, but we know that Birkat HaMazon is made up of four different brachot. The first three, we assume, are biblical in nature. The fourth is rabbinic in nature. So I'm in a situation of doubt. Did I bench or did I not bench? I'm not exactly sure. So we say, oh, this is a situation of doubt regarding a biblical mitzvah. So of course you have to repeat it, but only part of it really is a biblical requirement. So do I have to say the fourth bracha? Do I have to say the bracha of atov amitiv? Is that going to be necessary? Or can I say, bonei barachem av amen, and I'm done. So the Mishabura says, no, you have to say all of them. Why? Because we're worried that if we tell you that you don't have to say that fourth bracha, so then people are going to take it as seriously. And then the next thing you know, even when they're not in a situation of doubt, they're like, well, I'm kind of in a rush, and I know that this bracha is not so important, so maybe I'll just leave it out. Right? We're worried about that. So we say, go ahead and make sure that you say the entire benching. Now, it happens to be, this is the psaka of the uh, Ashkenazim, of the Achronim, of the Ashkenazim, but the Sephardim are much more lenient. And they basically argue the other way. They say, look, let's say I was in a situation of doubt where I'm not sure, I know that I said the first three brachot, of Birkat HaMazon, I'm not sure if I said the fourth. So would we tell you you have to repeat the fourth bracha of Birkat HaMazon? No, because it's only rabbinic in nature. And if it's a suffix to Rabbanan, so we say, Lakula, you could be makel, you could be lenient if you're not sure. So they say, uh, well, at the end of the day, if you knew you said the first three and you weren't sure about the fourth, we wouldn't make you repeat the fourth. So if you're not sure about all of them, why would you have to repeat the fourth? But the Ashkenazim are concerned that we're gonna not take uh, benching so seriously, at least that fourth bracha. So you say, you know what? Go back and say the entire thing. Okay, step one. Let's go step two, and then maybe we'll call it night, even though there's, there's many more things to discuss. So the, the, the Shulchan Aruch said that we have to bench out of a uh, situation of doubt. Says the Mishaburah here, So not only do you have to go back and repeat your benching, but let's say there was someone there who ate, and they know that they didn't bench, and they have to bench, but they don't know how to bench. So they want someone to help them fulfill their obligation. They're going to listen to someone else say it on their behalf, right? Typically, we would advise against that. If you know how to bench, you should say it yourself. But let's say you don't know. So I know that my friend here is in a situation of doubt, and halacha requires him to repeat his birkat mazon. So can he help me fulfill my obligation, yes or no? Says the Mishabura, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Fascinating. So why should that be? Why should that be? Well, maybe we would argue uh, it shouldn't be that way, right? Why? So we have to think about this. When, the to- when, when we decide that suffix del right to lechumra, right? You're in a situation of doubt regarding biblical mitzvah. We say, err on the side of caution. So when I say to err on the side of the caution, is the Torah telling me, is it a biblical obligation to err on the side of caution? Or is it only a rabbinic obligation to err on the side of caution when it comes to a, a, a doubt of a biblical mitzvah? Everyone understand what I mean by that? 
What is generating that obligation? So if the Torah is telling me when you're in a situation about a Torah mitzvah, then go back and repeat it. So now I have a Torah obligation to mench. And therefore I should be able to help someone who has a Torah obligation to mench fulfill their obligation. But if you're going to tell me that it's only the rabbis who came along and said, well, if it's a Torah obligation, then you have to go and you have to repeat it. So then my, my requirement to mench right now is only rabbinic in nature. And this guy's obligation is... It's biblical in nature. So can my rabbinic obligation help him fulfill his biblical obligation? Not so clear, right? So uh, you have Achronim who argue about this point. Will it work for me to now help my friend fulfill his obligation uh, because my, uh, my chiyuv, in theory, might be on a lower level or not? The Mishabura Paskins that you could help someone else. I don't know. The odds of this happening, of you not being sure, and this guy needs to fulfill his obligation but doesn't know how to say the benching, probably doesn't come up so often, but that is how the Mishabura Paskins, that this obligation is strong enough that you could help someone else fulfill their obligation. Yes, sir? So in a situation where a woman intermarries with an Ashkenazist bar and you have a kid in the oath, you know, you know, you go by the husband, what happens in a situation with personal prayer in terms of do they have to change their personal practice when there's a suffix that takes place? The answer is I don't know. The, the, the real answer is, it used to be pretty straightforward. You would just follow the husband. Now it's much more, much more uh, liberal. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't mean that in like a liberal way. I just mean like, uh, because there's a lot more intermarriage to take place. It used to be that like Ashkenazim lived in Ashkenazim, the Sephardim lived in Sephardim, and never the two uh, mixed. But in Israel, right, you have Ashkenazim and Sephardim all over the place. So it's been, uh, a lot of the rules have changed. I don't know. I don't know what the facts on the ground are, so I'll, I'll stay out of it. But if it becomes a question, we'll ask the right people. No? Okay. Rabbi Khanan, Rabbi Khashamir, it's a good spark, let's go to Israel. Fika, Rabbi Khanan, it's